So if you have not been with us the last two weeks, we are on a series called Pardon the Interruption. Um, pardon being another word for forgiveness, PTI. Week one, we talked about why does he forgive us? So in week one, we said, we said uh, with Adam and Eve that they tried to cover their shame. They tried to cover themselves from one another, only to realize that when God is present, that when God is present, that there is no way for us to cover our shame. In week two, we talked about how he forgives us. We talked about Cain and Abel, the posture that came, came with, the posture that Abel came with. We talked about how Cain was like Waffle House. And how when we, when we come with an offering to God, it, it, dep- it doesn't depend on what we're trying to offer to him, but it, it depends upon how we're bringing ourselves to him. So now we are in week three. We talked about why he forgives. We talked about how he forgives. But now we're going to talk about just forgiveness in general. What is, what is forgiveness? Why do I have to do it? What, what, what does forgiveness have to do with me? We are going to be in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20. And it's crazy because, like, Jesus is talking to them about forgiveness. And when you get to verse, like, 21, 22, Peter's like, all right, I see what you're saying about forgiveness. And I know you was kind of talking to all of us, but when it comes to me specifically, how many times do I have to forgive? Like, I know you told them, but you know, Lord, like, you know, me and you, we, we, we got a different type of relationship. You, you know how I get down. So how many times do I have to forgive? And he said, is seven times good enough? If you look at the Eastern ancient text, uh, the Eastern ancient text says Jesus' response was 70 times 77. If you look at the NRSV version, it says that Jesus' response was 77 times. And if you look at the King James version, it says that Jesus' response was 70 times seven. But the seven is something that was consistent upon each translation. Seven being a symbol of completion. Right. So in Matthew, Matthew, chapter 18, verse 15, it says, if your brother sins against you. There's a lot of different versions of this scripture. I like this version. Because it's specific. It's not if your brother sins. Against the church. It's not if your brother sins against someone else. It's if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile. Another version says, 
let you treat him like he is no longer a part of the church, a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, this is talking about forgiveness, this is talking about justice, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. This scripture right here is so dope. And I've seen it used erroneously so many times. I've seen verse 18, verse 19, and verse 20 butchered by pastor over and over again. And I'm going to do my best to not butcher it today. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 19. There's two people. And I'm going to try to break down these two people a little bit before we get into what happens. So you can kind of try to visualize why each person does what they do. There's a difference between forgiving somebody and just letting it go. One of the things I had to ask myself when, when, when Peter said, well, well, Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? And then Jesus has a response for how many times? Depending upon what translation, it doesn't matter. But the question that I asked myself was, Lord, what do I have to do for you to forgive me? And his answer was, you must repent. He says it over and over again in scriptures. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, if we do not forgive those who trespass against us, then he cannot forgive us for our trespasses. But God is not going to forgive me for my trespasses unless I repent. Therefore, the only way that we are supposed to forgive someone else for their trespasses is if they repent. One of the odd things that I hear people say a lot is, you need to forgive them no matter what they did. Erroneous. You need to forgive them if they repented, no matter what they did. A lot of us are struggling with the word forgiveness because we're watching the person do the same exact thing to us that hurt us, and we're thinking that we got to forgive them anyways, and that's not what God is saying. Why would God tell you that I ain't going to forgive you unless you repent, but you go ahead and forgive somebody else even though they haven't changed at all? So what is forgiveness? That question isn't really hard when you actually come to the understanding of why we forgive. The question becomes, Lord, how do I treat someone when they haven't repented? When forgiveness is no longer what we're talking about, what are we talking about? How am I supposed to stay in relationship with someone when they are continuously living the same exact lifestyle that hurt me in the first place? Where am I supposed to be? And there's a scripture about this in 1 Kings chapter 3, and it works out perfectly. There's two people laying next to each other. Laying next to each other in this period of time, whether you're a woman or whether you're male, it actually is very common. A lot of families, a lot of friends lived together. It was, it was the easy, easier way, right? So the scripture says that there's two women living and sitting and laying and sleeping next to one another. And it says that these two women have just had a child. It says that the first woman falls asleep, and she falls asleep on 
her child. She falls asleep on what she has given birth to. She falls asleep on what God has given her. She falls asleep on. How many times have you been that person that has fell asleep on the gift, fell asleep on the joy, fell asleep on the peace, fell asleep on the patience, fell asleep on your happiness, and now it's dead? It says the woman that was next to her was still sleeping. So when she wakes up and she sees that the baby is dead, she takes from her lap and she gives this dead baby to her friend, to her family, to the person that she loves, to the person that she lives with. And then she takes the live baby, the, 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 the child that's still breathing, and she takes that baby and she puts it on her lap and she goes back to sleep. My first point is, is it what God gave or what man took that you're worried about? So the second person, I'm going to call her mother number two, she wakes up. Mother number two wakes up to a dead baby. She wakes up to something on her lap that she did not go to sleep with. She wakes up with the thought process and understanding that something was stolen from me while I rested. And she looks over and she realizes after a while that the person that's closest to me is the one that has given me death and taken life. The person that I love, the person that I allow to live in my house, the person that I sleep next to has taken life from me and in return has given me death. So the Bible says that her response was she took this person to the king. This is where it gets sketchy. How many times when somebody gives you death, the first thing that you do is take them to the king? Do you take them to the king or do you try to handle it yourself? This person didn't try to handle it themselves. They took the situation to the king. The king being who the king is, the king decided that what I'm going to do is I'm going to just cut this baby in half. Mother one, was, 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 she was with it. Cool, this. Cool. You get half and I get half. Cut the baby around the, 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 the belly button area. I'll take the legs and you can have whatever's left over. But mother number two, the one that actually was the, she says, no. This is where it gets deep, y'all. I would rather her have what God has given me than for what God has given me to be completely destroyed. My question for you is, what are you more worried about? Are you worried about yourself? Are you worried about the other person? Or are you worried about what God has given? What are we supposed to do when we can't forgive someone? Because they're still lying and saying, this is my child. What I took from you is mine. What are we supposed to do? The Bible says we can't forgive them. They have not repented. They're still lying. They, they, they're not to a place where they can own up to what they've done. But why? 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 Because everything has been taken from them as well. What do you do when you have nothing? When everything that you waited for has been taken away. For woman number one, what, what she decided to do was she decided to take life from 
her friend, take life from the one that she loved. And in return, she decided, I'm going to give her death. I'm going to give you death in return for life. The response of the king was, I know whose baby this is. I can tell by your response whose baby this is right here. I'm going to give this baby to mother number two because only a mother will be willing to give away her child rather than watch her child be destroyed. Only a mother, only a king, only a Christian, I mean only a mother will be willing to give their joy away rather than watch both people be without joy, rather than watch both people be without peace, rather than watch both people not be able to smile. I'd rather you be in peace and me be destroyed than both of us. What are we supposed to do when they haven't repented yet? How many people out here are struggling with forgiving somebody? Somebody that you don't even talk to. The father that you never met. The rapist that you haven't seen again. The liar that keeps lying. The thief that's always around. What is God asking me to do? Well, I'll tell you what. God says, when I know you care more about what I gave you than about what they got, then I'll be sure to give you back what you lost. When I know that you care more about the gift that I gave you, I'll make sure you don't walk away empty-handed when you've lost everything. Sometimes the person that you're laying next to is willing to take everything from you. Watch who you allow in your house. Watch who you lay next to. Watch who you add on Facebook. I used to always wonder, why is my, mom, why, why is my wife so upset? When people befriend me and don't befriend her. Why is she, why is she upset that I add people on Facebook that I don't know? Because my wife understands someone who's lost everything, they're willing to take anything. They'll give you death and they'll take life and act like they didn't do it. If I have no peace, if I have no joy, if I have no reason to smile, I'm willing to take anything and everything from you. But this is the issue. The issue is, is that we do not take it to the king, baddie. The issue is we become so involved with ourselves and what's been taken from us that we're going to make this a personal thing. I'm going to turn this away from the child that has been taken, and I'm going to turn this into a personal problem that I now have with you. But what happens when we don't take it to the king and we try to handle things on our own? Since you stole the life that God gave me, 
then I'm going to keep the death that you gave me. Which brings me to my step two. You are holding on to death. Think of it. This lady took this dead baby. And she's carrying around death. The lady that we see in 1 Kings chapter 3, she takes the dead baby and the person who's holding on to her life and she takes it to the king. But if we don't take it to the king, then what are we doing? We walking around with death. Carrying a dead thing. Holding on to the dead thing. Wondering why our life ain't getting no better. And the other person is walking around with your life. Walking around with what you hold on to for nine months. Watch, walking around with what gave you birth pains. Walking around with what you birthed. Walking around with what you sowed and then reaped. And you're walking around with what they sowed and then reaped. You're walking around with their death. What does a mother do regardless of whether the baby is living or not? She nurtures it. Let me tell you what the words say. Let me tell you what the words say. The word says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, their reckless and willful sins, if you forgive others and their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt, nurturing your anger, this will result with something that interferes with your relationship with God. We talked about this in our huddle. The word nurture truly means that you actually develop, grow, and feed something with a plan to make sure that it grows in your life. Some of us have been walking around nurturing death. Making sure we develop pain. Making sure we water it correctly so that the hurt will actually grow in our lives and we're not seeing it. Because we're so blinded by what the other person has done that we don't see that we're walking around holding on to a dead baby. And everybody's looking at you like, does she know? Does he know that this baby is dead? They look silly pulling out that which gives forth life and trying to nurture. What, what do you look like when you're holding on to a dead baby, but you're trying to feed it with that which nurtures? You're trying to give something dead what God gave you to bring forth growth. Rise, what happens when you water a dead plant? The, 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 the roots are too sensitive for you to keep trying to water something that's already dead. You're too sensitive. You're too broken. You're too hurt to keep trying to nurture death. Paul was so blind with rage that he became blind completely. Paul was so blind with rage that he became blind completely when you feed something that's dead the only thing that can grow is pain the only thing that can grow is hurt the only thing that can grow is frustration Because you know you're doing everything that you're supposed to do, but something that's dead can't grow. Yeah. 
You're looking for growth in your finances, but you're, you're seeing death. You're looking for growth in your relationship. Lord, I'm doing the right things. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading. I go to huddle. I'm volunteering. I'm taking it to heart when Corey come up here. I'm taking it to heart when KT come up here, when Dish come up here and race. I'm taking it to heart when they worship. I'm taking it to heart when Jada come up here and say that we're not doing enough. I'm going to the cares meeting. I'm I'm doing, I'm I'm folding chairs. I'm putting them up. I'm putting this raggedy, dusty, dirty floor up every week, messing up my pants and my shoes. But all I see is death. Nothing's growing. When you're done wrong, what's more important? Restoration or judgment? We can make people feel so bad that what they've done against us becomes their first priority. But if all I'm thinking about is what I did against you, I'm not thinking about what I did against God. You've made how they hurt you so important that they forgot that they sinned against God. All they know is that they sinned against you. All they're trying to do is get their relationship right with man. And you're wondering why they haven't repented yet. You haven't given them space to. They're too busy trying to repent to you when you have no repentance for them. You cannot bring them back to righteousness. You cannot bring them back to holiness. You cannot change them. Which brings me to my step three. When two or three are gathered. Can we put that scripture back up here? Let's break down this word real quick. Because I tell you that this word is special. Man, oh man, is this word unbelievably incredibly outrageously special man let's go back to uh verse verse uh where i start at 14 13 for whatever reason i feel like uh tom hanks in that one movie when at the beginning he was like teaching and he had this board or something like this what was it it was like demons and angels or something like that This is way off subject. It has nothing to do whatsoever with what I'm talking about right now. Shows you my goofiness and childishness. If your brother sin against you, this is where our first issue is. We be in people's business, they ain't even sinned against us. We thought it meant if your brother sins at all. That ain't what the word say. It says if he sins against you. Then it says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That don't mean that you're supposed to take everybody with you first. That don't mean you're supposed to take the people that wasn't even there. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Y'all act like that's not the actual point of everything. To gain the brother, not to get back the life. It doesn't say if you go and tell him his faults between you and him alone, if he listens to you, he will give you back life and then you will be able to give him back death or you will be able to get rid of the death or it just says that you will gain back. See, if somebody's your brother, that means they was your brother from birth, baddie. 
That don't mean that they become your brother at some point in time. That means that somebody who is your brother has lost relationship with you. And if you will do things the right way, you can gain back relationship. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. Let me tell you something like this. It does not mean that you're supposed to take two or three people that you didn't went and gossip to and told them what happened to you. And now they supposed to go and check somebody and they don't even know if what you said was actually what happened. And they just a third party actually just listening to your side. It means if he does you wrong, trust me when I tell you he's a wrongdoer. There's two or three other people that he's wronged that you already know about. Take those two or three people that know what he's done because they already have evidence because he's done it against them. If you take those two or three people and you go to him and tell him his faults. If he refuses to listen to you and them, dang, he didn't stole from you. He didn't lie to them. If he refuses, now it's time to tell it to the community. Woo. When the community know what you did and you still refuse to listen, then you wasn't who we thought you was in the first place. Now we know you're not repentant. Now I know that forgiveness is what, not what I'm looking for. Lord, what am I supposed to do now? Because, this is where it gets good, truly I say to you, you have bound yourself to them in that process. Oh, y'all thought that that meant something else. That's why y'all pastors kept saying, I bind the spirit of, and I loosen the spirit of. No, that's not what the word is talking about. It's talking about when you bind yourself in relationship because you've went through the proper process. So when you bind yourself to someone, eventually you're going to have to do what? Loosen. Because if you bound to them on earth, then you're bound to them in heaven. Woohoo! This word is good. And if you loosen yourself from them, then it allows for you to actually be bound back to Christ. Why does he say, if you never forgive, then I can't forgive you? Because I'm not bound to you when you're connected to somebody else. Hey, if y'all don't like this word, I ain't coming back. A lot of us have bound ourselves in relationship to other people because we lack the ability to just let them go. And God is saying, if you're bound to them, then you and them ain't bound to me. That's why when two or three people are gathered in the name of forgiveness, there I am. When two or three people are gathered in the name of forgiveness, you know Jesus is present. Woo, that's good. What is God saying? Let go. Let go. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the hate. Let go of the anger. Let it go. You have bound yourself to a dead thing. You have bound yourself to relationship. How many different things are you going to connect yourself to and not connect yourself to Christ? And you're wondering why things are going the way that they're going. Let it go. Ooh, I'm hot.
done. KT, what are we supposed to do if they not repair? What are we supposed to do when they hurt us? You go to them. I promise you, man. We try to make it seem like Christianity is easy. Who? Who? Where? Go into someone and tell them that they hurt you. That's one of the hardest things in the world, man. To be vulnerable to somebody who already did you wrong? Jesus knows what he's asking. But if you want to know how, he's given us the formula. You go to them. You tell them what they've done. You tell them how it made you feel. But not for the purpose of them being sad for what they did to you. But because you want them to be in relationship. Like you don't want, like anybody that you've allowed to be that close to you, you allow them to be that close to you for a reason. You love that person. You were born by that person. You were connected to that person. You were married with that person. You want to be in relationship with them. You want them to be your brother or your sister. You know them. You know that they did two or three other people wrong. So you know two or, other th two or three other people are still dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with with that person. Go get them. Talk to them first. Get them right first. Help them stand on their feet first. Then take them to the same person that y'all all mad at in the first place. Go through the proper steps of gaining a brother or a sister. And if they don't want to be family, let it go. Let it go. Why? So you can be bound with Christ again. 